Ah, uh, hello my friends, hello my life warriors, wherever you are in the world Welcome to the Day In Day Out podcast Woo, today on episode uh, 187 I had the immense joy and pleasure of having Leslie uh, Spellman uh, Who is a uh, one half of the Declutter Hub uh, podcast uh, We talked about a number of things uh, How she got her business started uh, 12 years ago uh, We also talked about how, yeah, uh, clutter can affect some people With regards in the realms of hoarding and sort of mental health also, we talked about, yeah, her ever-growing community uh, That her and her partner, Ingrid, uh, have built up over the course of time And how they're helping uh, their community move forward in their best possible way uh, Got to say, it was a joy speaking to her And I look forward to speaking to her, uh, like Leslie and possibly Ingrid uh, together in the future They have much to say and much to offer In the realm of helping people uh, Help declutter their lives Got to say, joy to have Look forward to speaking to them again Well, speaking to Leslie again Anyway, please uh, subscribe to the show If you can And yeah, enjoy the rest of this show Have a great day guys Yeah, peace to ya Yeah, here we go Haha. <laughs> oh Hello my friends, hello my life warriors, wherever you are in the world Welcome to the Day In Day Out podcast Woo! Today on episode <laughs> 187 I have the, well, I have the privilege, the pleasure of having one half of the Decluttering Hub uh, podcast uh, Yes, her name is Leslie uh, Spellman How are you? I'm good, thank you, how are you? I am all good. The sun is shining. There is no sign of rain. And yes, it brings a smile to my face. How about yourself today? I'm good. I'm good. Excited to talk to you all about decluttering, my favorite subjects. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I think a number of people would be kind of interested on that realm of decluttering. Um, the, only thing, like, the only reason why my like, lady has not burst through the door and go, tell me all you can tell me, teach me. <laughs> I, I actually said, this is what I'm going to be talking about today. Yeah, she might have some ideas about decluttering everything. So, like, please teach him. Please guide well, me through this. <laughs> I can expect her to pop in through the door at any any moment, trying to get some handy hints and tips about uh, how to change your life through decluttering. Absolutely, absolutely. I have to ask now, you. How did you get started on this sort of journey of decluttering? Yeah, so it's something that I've always done. It's quite interesting, actually, because people are like, oh, you know, have you always, have you, where you were, quite often people are either a really cluttered person and they've seen the light, mm -hmm. or they have maybe come from a background of mental health or whatever, and they've sort of gone through that route. Or, but for me, it was just quite ordinary, if I'm honest. Um, I just always done a little bit of decluttering along the way. And I always got a great buzz from getting rid of things or passing things on to charity. It just gives you this great feeling, doesn't it? When you actually unload this kind of stuff from your life. Mm. So when I was about, I was about 40, I think. Oh God, it's a while ago. Um, and um, I bought a new house. So I bought a, a renovation, a derelict property, um, a, quite a nice big house. And basically what that allowed me to do is to really look at storage in the house and say, right, I'm going to make this house can do whatever I want with it it's completely blank canvas what do I want it to be so I put all these storage solutions in really looked at it and I absolutely loved it now 
as well as that, the house that I bought, um, I say it was a derelict house, and largely because it had been lived in by a hoarder. And when I say a hoarder, I mean a clinical hoarder. So I mean somebody who suffered. So we're talking the territory of 10 old cars in the driveway. Mm-hmm. There was You could not get into the house. There was um, a ladder up the stair, well to get up the stairs because you couldn't walk up the stairs. So we're talking floor to ceiling clutter. Um, and whilst the house was empty when I bought the house, the interesting thing was that people, this was a, a house that was renowned in the area. You know, people would walk past and say, oh, there's where that hoarder guy lives and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, People were like, oh, it looks amazing now, what you've done to the place and so on. And it just started to resonate with me, the the lack of sympathy or empathy for the guy that had lived there um, and the fact that people thought it was terrible the way that it was. And so it really hit, hit home with me the way that people were treating people who obviously had a mental health issue, which is effectively what that is. Mm-hmm. And so I think the seeds were sown then. So a kind of combination of me loving creating the house of my dreams with storage plus all this kind of negative sort of positive stroke negative talk from people that were impressed by what we had done in terms of turning the place around and then so about a year later that's when I started my decluttering business and and it's very largely based on emotional and psychological stuff my god I've got to say that must have been kind of your Everest uh to say to say the least like obviously the person went through they were going through what they were doing but it must have been like okay right where do I start and where yeah. did you like, like how did you start getting everything out and like yeah so you know it was that. interesting actually because the house was actually empty so I didn't have to do any decluttering from uh myself the yeah. house was empty so but just to give you context then it had taken a house clearance company nine months to clear the house so that's the the amount of stuff that was in it so we're talking on a very high level of hoarding here um and so luckily for me then um the house was not didn't have any stuff in it okay it was all gone it was just more about the way that people were talking to me about it mm. and then I thought it's I wanted to explore that a little bit more um I didn't start out by working with hoarders in the beginning that wasn't my intention to do that although I truly understood at that level that it was all about the emotions and not necessarily about the stuff Mm. the stuff is kind of like a byproduct if that makes sense and so yeah so that's so it it, the seeds were sown but I didn't have to deal with it at that stage but I have dealt with it many many times since of course with my in my day-to-day work yeah like you bring up the emotions because like this is the whole thing everyone loves this stuff it's like at some point everyone's like hey are you touching my stuff it's like yeah but trying to sort of like uh, okay get to when it comes to a point where it's just now getting the way of life it's I imagine you can just sleepwalk into it and you don't really sort of pick up like you don't actually see it until it's like oh it's what has happened you know yeah because I think for most people I mean there's obviously there's different people have different levels of clutter. We can talk about all the different ones later. But if we're talking about that very critical level, Mm. that tends to come about a result of trauma. So it's, you know, it tends to be traumas and sometimes a catalogue of traumas that have happened Mm -hmm. over the years that cause stuff to become something that doesn't let us down. So you can go to the shop and you can buy something. It gives you that temporary fix of kind of retail therapy that we're all familiar with. It doesn't really let you down until it kind of does. And then it lets you down because there's so much of it and it's completely unmanageable and it's taken over your life and so on. And so 
it is invariably a catalogue of trauma that takes most people to that place um, where they become hoarders. Ah, I see, I see. So, uh, so just to get back on track, so after you settled down with your dream house and everything like this, a year later, you're like, okay, a, a declutter business. Like, I, it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, it's obviously needed, but it's not something which I think everyone kind of pursues. Like, how did, yeah. Like, yeah. How did, it it, yeah, how did that come about? I know. And this is, and now's a very different time. So now it's much more commonplace to have. I mean, it's still very, very niche, of course, as a business, but there are lots of us about, there are lots of people offering this service. There are a lot of TV programs about it and so on. But I'm talking 12 years ago now when I first started. So it, it is very different now to what it, to what it was then. Everyone was like, that's never going to work. The only way you're ever going to be able to do that is putting it, sort of piggybacking it onto a cleaning company. Mm. And I was like, well, <clears throat> excuse me, I feel like it's a very different thing. So cleaning the house independently and decluttering with somebody emotionally is a very, very different thing. So I was taking a bit of a leap of faith. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm up in Manchester. So there were there were a few more down in London. Um, definitely had taken off in the States. And so States quite a lot around now. Um, in London, there were a few. Up here, there were kind of none, maybe one or two others. And so I was like, yeah, but I want to do it. Let's do it. And, it. and it took off very quickly. And I've been busy the whole time. And now there's six of us who do it up here. So that's my one-to-one business working in homes with people. And then I've t- taken it into the online space now um, with Ingrid, my partner. And so now we're doing an online one as well. So we'll talk about that later as well. Uh, yeah, like because uh, this is the thing. When you say the United States, one of the things with the United States, if you're, depending where you are, if you're on the East Coast where like you have four seasons or like in the like, Midwest or like or the Mideast, like you have to have two wardrobes, like, the summer wardrobe, the winter wardrobe, and you just simply like, oh, you walk into some homes and you're just like, oh my God, <laughs> why? Like, how comes you've got so much stuff? And it's not going down the lines of hoarding, it's just accumulation of stuff. I remember years ago, there was a TV show where people just had a skit and they just had to chuck stuff away. Um, I don't know if you've ever done that with anyone like, hey, it's skip time. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I think it's quite hard to sort of skip things because of course, TV prog, so people are used to looking at people with hoarding disorder through TV shows mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, TV is very different to normal life and TV is there to entertain and to be sensationalist. And so it can put a lot of people off. And so the big, you can imagine as, as you're somebody who's you know, irrationally attached to your stuff, which is basically what it what it comes down to. Um, and then somebody rolls up with a massive skip and said, hey, we're just going to chuck all your stuff away and you're not going to have any control whatsoever. We're going to take all that control away from you. And it's scary stuff. And so it's never going to work because what that's going to mean is that someone's then going to cling on even more or rebuy the stuff that's gone into the skip or whatever. So... Yeah, but there are a lot of skips around. It's not something that I've done. We do we have used skips, but I can I can count on two hands in 12 years of business that we've used a skip. And that is normally if we know it is like a garage that the stuff's been in there for 30 years and it's got to go, or you know, it's a probate situation or whatever. But even so, we would still go through that stuff and check that there was nothing of value in there. So yeah, skips are not something we use all the time because they're kind of scary things for people who are attached to their stuff. 
Yeah. Like, were you surprised at sort of the uptake of your business? Because uh, you like people are like, yeah, it won't go anywhere. You need to be part of this cleaning company, Acme Cleaning, and they'll do this and stuff like this. But to like, oh, hey, I've been in business for 12 years, working solid, business partner and all. Uh, was it like, Okay, I didn't expect it to grow so fast or No, I think you're right. I think in the early days, um sure I was it was always nice when the phone rang and it, it kind of built very gradually and everybody mm-hmm. still was like, that's never gonna work and naysayers. And I, I was kind of out to prove a point as well, of course. And then once <laughs> I got once I got into it, of course it's a very vocational job. You know, I do it because I love it. Of course, I, I'm lucky that I get paid for doing something that I love, but um but really, you know, to go into someone's house and change their lives, even on a very basic level. So we've talked a lot about hoarding and hoarding disorder. But actually, there are people out there who are just like, I'm busy. I'm really busy. Mm-hmm. And if I've got time on a weekend, I'm going to spend it with my kids. I'm not going to spend it going through my room of doom upstairs and sorting out all my crap out. Do you know what I mean? And so sometimes it's just time, you know, that people are lacking. It's not they know how to do it but it just never comes to the top of their to-do list. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you know, so it's not, it's not all, we're not all, it's not all, it is emotional in a different way. Of course it is because we're choosing different things from our, um, to spend our time on effectively. Um, But there are different, and then there are people in the middle who are just like, oh, but I really like that. And I feel really guilty getting rid of it. And, you know, that are not, they don't suffer with hoarding disorder as such, but they're still very emotionally attached to their stuff for lots and lots of different reasons. Mm. I would imagine sometimes that I'm moving away from the sort of hoarding side of things or like, but I would imagine there are some people which sort of like go on sort of the trend thing, like, okay, uh, about this time last year, or was it the year before? Um, And Miss Kondo, it's like, oh, minimalist lifestyle. It's like, yes, can you help me with that? Do you get much of that people coming up to you like, hey, I want to become a minimalist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do. I mean, that's not our, that's not our, our core business, to be honest, yeah. because we are more we're more about realism and real life. And mm. people who want to become minimalist tend to be quite self driven, and so they it's just part of a, an ongoing, you know, looking for change almost. And so they tend to be more driven. Um, so we are definitely working with the people who are like, I just can't do it. You know, people that are suffering every day from depression, from anxiety. Yeah. Like I wanted to do it yesterday and I wanted to get up today and declutter my kitchen, but something in my mental health is saying not today. And so we're the kind of people who are there to motivate, to inspire people. So there's a one-to-one side of my business where we go in and help people. And obviously when we do that, we can encourage and drive people in a different way than we do when we're working online, which is, you know, a little bit more remote, if that makes well, a lot more, a lot more remote, in fact. <laughs> remote. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you must be like it must be a great satisfaction to help uh bring relief to people with like with regards to this and helping them sort of like get on track, would you say? Yeah, definitely. I think it's one of those things that if you don't suffer from clutter in your house, it's hard to understand. A lot of people are like, why do you just get rid of it all? Like, why is it such a big deal? And so, but for those people that have got that irrational connection to stuff or do like to cling on, then it is much more difficult and it can really be life-changing. You know, it can be all, what I want is 
a stress-free life, a little bit more peaceful. I don't want to leave all my stuff for my kids. I just want to get up in the morning, find what I want to find. This is not not rocket science. They just Mm -hmm. want a simpler life where life can kind of tick along and I can do what I want to do and not be a slave to my house. I don't want to wake up every day and think I've got to spend all day trying to find stuff, trying to do stuff, trying to get on top of stuff, you know, just get us to a stage where this is what we all want. You know, yes, I'm continually decluttering my house, um, but for like 10 minutes every week, or I might say, well, I don't need that anymore. Off it goes. It doesn't mm. become this colossal thing. And so what we're aiming for for people is that they have this much simpler life where clutter and stuff doesn't dictate them, doesn't control them, and they can control it, if that makes sense. So, yeah, it's completely life-changing and, and, and a real honour and privilege to be a part of that for people. Mm. I, I would say, yeah, if you can get someone, like, as you've just mentioned, just doing 10 minutes a day, half an hour a day, sort of like, yeah, sorting through. Not sort of sorting through, but just like, um, yeah, that's not important, that's not important. Before, like, this is the thing, there are certain... Like there's certain items, I wouldn't say items, just things which you seem to like just carry with you from place to place. If yeah, definitely. Yeah. And like, it's not even a case of they have an emotional attachment. It's just like, what? How? Where's, where did this come from? It's mostly items of clothing. I was like, I've had this t-shirt. Like if a kid came up to me, yeah, you know, you're, I met your dad and your mom wearing this t-shirt. It's older yeah. than you. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm about to go to university. Oh uh, yeah, don't worry. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I know. And there are some things that are special. You know, there are some things that are special in your life that should stick around for a while that give mm. you that kind of warm, fuzzy feeling every time you see them, you know, like, and so, you know, we're not talking about getting rid of stuff that's sentimental or special to you. We're talking about getting rid of, you know, multiple bottles of bleach that you've kept for, you know, that's a different one because that's disposable. <laughs> yeah, but do you know what I mean? Just random stuff that you've got and you've gathered 27 of that you're never going to use, you know, because you weren't quite sure where it was. And so that's kind of what we're going, trying to get rid of rather than the lovely emotional stuff that gives us those lovely memories. Mm, I see, I see. So when you first started, up until sort of like now, like what would you say have been some of the key lessons you may have picked up along the way, you reckon? Um, I think for me, the, the lessons that I've learned is, is about people. Uh, I'm, I never fail to be sort of shocked really by how much a lot of people have to deal with on, and, and hold their head up high and, carry on going through life and some people struggle with that but some people kind of crack on and get on with it and sometimes when I hear those stories I'm like wow just to get yourself up in the morning is a big thing never mind about this the clutter that you've got and so I think I think that's what I learned I think I learned that clutter has no barriers so you can be a multi-millionaire entrepreneur or you can be you know a mum in a council estate and struggling to make ends meet it's the same. So clutter's got no boundaries or barriers that can affect people in the same way. Um, I think I've been lucky to, to meet people in all different races and religions. And so for me, that's been enlightening to be able to go into the heart of the home with lots of different types of races and religions and understand mm. how you, cause you see things, don't you, in, in other um demographics and so on but you don't really understand it until you see how that home operates and you know so again that's so that for in terms of my learning and my self-development that's where 
I've become open-minded. I've become privileged to be a part of that and to learn from that. Um, but more than anything else, it's just learning that people have got a lot, lot of stuff to deal with on a day-to-day basis, really. And, mm-hmm. and never, you know, it's just like honestly, every day, you're like really, like, are you actually dealing with that? Whether it's illness or family or you know, you know, the kind of things that people deal with. But yeah, sometimes there's a lot, you know. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Like this is the thing, like it's easy to look at the things that what kind of divide people and like where you can go, yeah, we're very much different people. We're not the same. We have no common ground. But I imagine like looking at it from your like point of view, your lens and just simply like going, look, you guys, like you guys are not that different at all. Like, yeah, like that person like holds this particular item and it's like that it's been the same in three different houses from three different religions, from three different like races. And like, yeah, you guys are the same on many different levels. It's just yeah. like, yeah, don't like, don't look to the differences, look to the similarities and like, you'll be you'll be possibly surprised. Mm. I would imagine it's a case of like, when you go into a place, holding an open mind must be a very hard thing to do at times. Like, it must it must have come easier to over the course of time but when you first started just like what um you know (laughs) you must have changed extremely over the course of time you know yeah I think so and I think it's it's you know and again just jumping back to that learning thing I think it's learning to be to understand and to Mm -hmm. not be judgmental so I think in the beginning when you know I hadn't seen a lot of houses like that I'd seen on the telly and all that kind of stuff but in general I'd not you know, being into homes that were completely enveloped by clutter a lot. And so you have to learn not to, these people have been judged all of their lives. They've been made to feel it's somehow inferior, whether that's just a messy lounge or whether that's a hoarded house, Mm. you know, like people have been judged by the parents, by the kids, but, you know, by peers, you know, people have stopped having people coming into the house because they're a bit embarrassed, you know, they're not living a normal life. And so for somebody to go in and to not judge them anymore, to be that first person that's come in and said, it's okay. You know, the most important thing is that you've made a call that you've asked for help and I'm here to help. And this is my job. I think for a lot of people, they're like, I'm so embarrassed. This is so bad. And I just say, if you don't have clutter, I don't have a job. And as soon as you put it in those terms, they're like, oh yeah, okay. I, you know, my business operates because you are asking for my help and I can help you. So if you didn't do that, then I wouldn't have a job, would I? So, and, that, and then people are like, oh, okay, I'm feel better about it now, you know? So I think just non-judgment and you just need to be nice to people. You know, people have a lot to deal with. And I just think some people are so harsh, mm. you know, don't understand, do they? People don't understand sometimes not this is not everybody of course it's many people don't understand mental health and how that um, presents itself in lots of different ways yeah it's one of those things where how can I put it um like 12 years ago like we yeah, um mental health and when I say this don't get mad people it like it wasn't sort of on trend if you get what I mean it wasn't a trendy topic it was like yeah it was one of these like topics which was kind of hidden away and like kept in the shadows like keep that to yourself do not say anything and like so have it like people being able to now sort of like oh yeah you know what I need help to deal with this is a much better place to be and like having people come to you and go yes can you help me where like maybe 12 years ago even like further back it'll be like 
I'm going to suffer in silence. Uh, yeah. You know, that is everything I would say today. And hopefully it'll get a lot easier in the future, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, you're absolutely right. And even in that 12 years, it's changed. I mean, obviously the younger generation are, are even more open to it than the older generation. It's going to take mm. a little bit of time to, to kind of catch up with that. Um, but what we're seeing now is a lot of, um, we work with social services and um, charities and things like that. Yeah. So we're seeing a lot of people reaching out for our help through charities saying you know this person's got ADD or ADHD or autism or fibromyalgia or ME or whatever that might be loads of different disabilities and things that they're living with and asking for our help as well so people realize people with ADD realize then perhaps that they've got they struggle sometimes with organization mm. and there's a reason they're like oh that's why you know that's why I struggle with organization and actually there are strategies that I can put in place within my home that are going to make things easier and so yeah no you're right things have changed hugely in that 12 years in terms of you know the conversation is allowing isn't it for people to ask and to be honest about what they've got and it's a, a reason you know once they, you know a lot of people with ADD are desperate for that diagnosis yeah. so they're like it's not just me you know this is this is a thing and I understand that now whatever that is you know and so yeah it's definitely definitely changed and changing all the time and I think that's why uh the business that we're in more and more people are in the same way that they're reaching out for help with weight loss or whatever that might be the kind of you know reaching out for help with their home which is such a huge part of our lives every time we walk through that door every night uh, if you're heart sinks because you walk into a mess yeah then it's not set you up for somewhere that you really want to be a sanctuary mm. no but like this is a thing you <laughs> like if you look at the last what are we now 17 months or so into it it's like from 2020 up until now and who knows when um it's a case of yeah people during lockdown had uh, like the very thing they would sometimes get relief from going away uh, from their home, which maybe in that in a place where it was extremely cluttered, they were like, yes, now I'm here every single day, every single moment. I don't have like I'm, I don't have a job where I can now get away from it for eight hours a day. And like, so I'll have that break if you go at me. Uh, did you see an uptick in people like going, hey, um, help, help me now, <laughs> please? Yeah, yeah, we definitely did. And I think there was, there was different things that came into play really with lockdown. So there were a lot of people like, this is it. This is my opportunity. I've got to get my house sorted out. Mm. And then a lot of those same people got to the end of lockdown and thought, no, it wasn't time that I needed. It was other things that I needed. Um, I think that... We were lucky, actually, because our online business. So I've got my one-to-one -one business, the Clutter Fairy, which um, is up all over the northwest of England. And then we have an oh, online I business, which is kind of worldwide. <laughs> do you like that? Do you like that? Yeah, <laughs> I do. I don't really look like a fairy, do I? I? But well, like, you know what? Name. Like, I, I don't see the little crown yet, but yeah. <laughs> big wings behind you. <laughs> <I know. laughs> So obviously, um, for a few months, we had to stop um, working. So we couldn't work in people's houses when lockdown came. So we just tried to encourage people online. And so the Declutter Hub, which is our online business, that was there was a huge surge in that um, for lots of different reasons. And I think more than anything, there was definitely community that was important. There was companionship that was important because it is important for people to 
to not go through this alone as well. And so to realize that there's other people that feel the same way as they do. And that's a big light bulb for a lot of people. So, yeah, we did a lot of work with people all over the world in lockdown. And still, you know, there's still countries that we're working with, you know, Australia's in and out of lockdown every five minutes and they're like back in lockdown. Oh, and then yeah. they're dealing with it in a very different way. Um, we won't go into that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so they're still in and out of lockdown. So we're still dealing with that with the, you know, people like I'm in lockdown for two weeks. And so I'm going to set two and do this and so mm-hmm. on. But, yeah, there was a huge uptake in people looking around as you say and thinking look at all this stuff that I, I can't get out we, I can't go out of the house and escape from it I'm, I'm surrounded with it and then added on to that the fact that people needed to repurpose rooms as well so that they could work from home or home school or whatever so all of a sudden our homes became everything didn't they yes indeed like yeah uh, fortunately a bit like in 2019 we moved back to London we were in right. Cambridge. Let's just say, if we were still in Cambridge, I would, I would have to have like rented the flat next to ours because it was <laughs> yeah. like a shoebox. It was like literally be like, okay, I need some space for me, my my love, my dear. <laughs> she was like, yeah. she just went, yeah, now get out, okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. But like, yeah, like the whole thing is, I think there was a time like through like the first lockdown and basically the whole sort I'm going to say 2020 was like kind of a lockdown year um, where people had to sort of like start to reflect and look at their lives in a little bit more detail Um, like with regards to like where they want to go where they want to be and yeah I would say with regards to sort of mental health and like getting sort of balance trying to get balance back or seek a way or find that balance uh, yeah, lots of questions had to be asked. And yeah, clutter could be one side of things or just sort of taking sort of key responsibilities with other types of things. Um, with what were, what was you, what would you say was the number one sort of key, was there one sort of key question everyone was asking for when, like when you were mostly online or was there just a number of different issues? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the biggest problem that we have, um, and this is lockdown or, or not out of lockdown, is yeah. where do I start when I'm faced with a whole house to declutter? Where do I actually start? And and so, what we what we do within the declutter hub is that we give people a roadmap to follow. So because we're all about the emotions, and so we're like, don't worry about the stuff at this moment in time. Don't even worry about what the things are, whatever the things are. You've got to tackle those emotions and work out what it is that's making you cling on to things that you don't want to cling on to. And so take it back to basics and look at your emotions. Emotions first, stuff seconds, basically. And so what we do is we, within our roadmap, is that we take people through the, the house, the whole house, a standard house and a lot of houses look different but let's every house pretty much got a kitchen a bathroom bedrooms and a lounge yeah let's say it's let's and a garage sometimes um what 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 rooms are the easiest emotionally to deal with and actually the kitchen is quite straightforward from an emotional perspective because most of the we've not got sentimentality for the most part attached to kitchens it's more practical decisions that we make in the kitchen like how many how many of these have I got mm. of course there is aspiration that comes into kitchens because sometimes we want to be you know I'm trying to think of a celebrity chef Nigella Lawson or whatever Gordon Ramsay who knows I'm trying to think of, trying to think of some like aspiration I don't know whatever a chef um 
we want to be like that, but sometimes we're not. So there are emotions that come into a kitchen, but they're not as deep seated as ones in um, a garage, for example, where we are keeping things because we want to do those projects and habits. And paperwork is a big one for emotions. You know, we cling on to everything. So we take people in a set order. So in answer to your question, then what the biggest question is, where the hell do I start with all this? Mm. And we're saying, follow a pathway, look at your emotions first and then the room second. Um, and there's a lot more to it than that, but then you would be here for 300 hours. It's day 60 of <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, get me some coffee. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, but like it, I would say one of the things I, I think a lot of people will be surprised when like what I'm getting from this, it's about working on the person themselves, yeah. first and foremost. A lot of people are like, oh, but yeah, it working on the person, that that makes no sense. It's all the clutter, it's all the stuff, but it's like, no. But it's just like, yeah, if you don't fix the person in like, um, and when I say fix, I'm not like, I'm, yeah, break them down. I was right. If you don't fix this, like, deal with one of one or two key issues that person might have that will never change or resolve itself yeah I think I mean I think they definitely can be worked for it I mean there's kind of like three or four key emotions really with I mean there's loads of emotions but if we break it right down to the simplest ones Mm. emotions that we have that are uh, habits emotions that have become habits then so we feel guilty for example a lot of the stuff that we keep in our houses is because we feel guilt so we feel guilty because we spent a lot of money on it and then we've never used it and then every time we see it we're like oh god I spent so much money on it I can't get rid of it because you know (laughs) that pair of shoes cost me 50 quid and I feel really bad and so or it could be oh yeah but my mum gave me that as a present or my kids gave me that as a present so I can't get rid of it so there's a lot of guilt then we have then we have people environmental issues have come into play a lot more over the past 20 years quite rightly so people feel guilty about getting rid of stuff for environmental reasons as well so we've got the other side which is I can't just ditch it because of the environment so there's other so there's loads of different types of guilt that come into play but guilt is a huge one then we've got worry um, which is so people worry about money people you know particularly people who have kept a lot of stuff maybe because they've been poorer in their earlier years yeah got to a stage where they can buy things so they then buy a lot because they can and that's a, a you know a whole a psychological <laughs> self yeah and then they worry that that might all disappear tomorrow so you've got people particularly people who are on you know haven't got loads of um disposable income around worry that life might not be the same tomorrow as it is today and the the rug might get pulled from under them so they worry about getting rid of stuff but then I might not be able to afford to buy it again Mm. Um, and then you've got worry about things like but I might but you know the electricity company might need me to look at my electricity bill from 10 years ago and tell them you know so you've got all that kind of worry type stuff going on then you've got sentimental, which is a biggie. You know what I mean? A lot of us, quite rightly, are sentimental. I'm sentimental. Why would we not be sentimental? Because if we just forget the past completely, then that's quite sad, isn't it? Yeah. So, but it's getting that into balance. And so we have to look at sentiment and are we being overly sentimental? Are we looking at quality over quantity? Because quite often with sentimental items, people keep kind of everything. And then the stuff that you have isn't special. So if you keep one painting uh, sorry not one's probably a bad idea if you keep 100 paintings from your 
child, mm. then how can you really see the quality if you've got loads and loads of them? It's better to keep five or ten really special ones that invoke a very special memory for you rather than keep everything that they ever did, for example. Mm. Yeah. Oh, wait, is it Labyrinth? Like uh, David Bowie. Um, like, I think it was... I think it was Labyrinth where David Bowie plays the troll king or something like that. All right. Okay. Yeah. But like in the film, like, uh, like the heroine, she's trying to get her brother back, but like she ends up in this place, which, okay. um, It's like her brother's room and everything like this, but it's all kind of an illusion. And like, yeah, it's like on this big sort of trash heap. It's like all the sort of things which are sort of sentimental and everything like this are not, that's not where the sort of true value lied. I'm like, I'm trying to remember this back to my little, like my little younger self. Just <laughs> okay. Well, you've got no chance. My mind's gone. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, yeah. Look, you're a former university student of Liverpool. <laughs> I understand why. <laughs> like, no judgments. <laughs> I've had good times out there. But like, yeah. <laughs> But it was like all of the things which were like, like were like, ah, oh, it's his favorite teddy. It turned into trash. Ah, oh, it's like, it's not right. But it was like, yeah, when it came down to like the memory of her brother and like what that was, that was the thing what had true value. But everything else was like a bit of a falsehood, if you get what I mean. It wasn't, it wasn't all of the stuff what was the value. It was that relationship and that's what yeah. we at the time of course of course absolutely and and it's it's getting to the, to the core of that of course we need memory we need some but we don't need mm. all we don't need all we just need to you know when you pick something up you know if you, mm. you, know, you pick it up and you go oh my yeah I remember it takes you straight back to that moment in time when you were got engaged or whatever you know your child went off to nursery or whatever that might be it takes you immediately back it's not a kind of oh god now which child was that that painted it I think that I know oh that must have been when they did that you know do you know what I mean there's a very big difference between something that immediately um has a response an emotional response and something that doesn't and it's it's just going through those but it's hard this hard stuff you know to Mm. kind of to get rid of stuff from your past it's hard and then as people get older as well People are more and more nervous about, you know, memory fading and sort of needing a chronology of their life almost as well. So in, when we work with older people, it work with a lot of people who are kind of downsizing and things like that as well. You know, they keep a lot of diaries and um, uh, calendars and things like that because they feel like they want a chronology of what happened in case they forget um, over time. So it's it gets interesting as you go through life and obviously what the kind of things that you want to keep in your 20s, 30s and then your 70s are very, very different because what makes us tick is different in those decades as well, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree. I can understand why it would be very difficult for a diary because uh, it's, it's that time machine what takes you back and go, yeah, you remember this moment? Yeah. A calendar, I, I'll... I would be more so like, okay, yeah, it's in, if I've been writing diaries, it's like, yeah, it's in the diary, calendar away. But I can understand if you've wrote, wrote those words down, it's like, yeah, like this date in like 2000, it was the day I met my, like my lovely wife or like, it's the day I met my husband or it's like, yeah. Or I got thrown out of a pub and like, yeah, thankfully. Yeah, exactly. All of that, I can understand, which would be very difficult. And trying to move past that would be 
it's somewhat of a challenge I could yeah I, definitely yeah, yeah painful challenge I would imagine but yeah, yeah. It's okay and that's why it's sentimental stuff we always I think when people think about decluttering so if if people if somebody says to somebody you need to declutter your house our minds automatically take us to the most difficult thing and so if you've got like I don't know a cd collection for you I don't want to get rid of my cds or mm. I don't want to get rid of my diaries or I don't want to get it get rid of whatever that might be they don't think about all the just useless stuff that's hanging around. They think about the difficult things straight away. And so we say, leave all that sentimental stuff till what well, we call it, building up your decluttering muscle. Cause you've got to kind of flex these muscles and get them going and work out these emotions and habits on the easy stuff. And then when you get to the harder stuff, then you're more ready to make those decisions, you know, because decluttering is just decision-making, you know, decision after decision after decision, you know, every time you pick something up, you've got to decide what am I going to do with it? Where's it going to go? Where's it going to yeah. live? Am I going to keep it? Am I not? And so it's kind of hard emotionally as well to do yeah. it. So, yeah, I can imagine. Like, uh, like when you say a decluttering muscle, I'm now like transported back to when you like, like thinking, what was the first place like when you like went there? Like, you talk about developing this muscle. Okay. Now, how was your muscle then? Was it a case of, was it so much, was it harder to like go, Hey, you need to get rid of that, get rid of this, get rid of that. Or did you kind of like, uh, when someone went, yeah, no, this is like, has some, like, this has sentimental value, but it's not really that sentimental. Did you sort of like go like on with the person went, yeah, you're right. It has got sentimental value. <laughs> I think it was, I mean, I remember back to my first decluttering job and it was a sort of quite a big house and it was books and books are notoriously hard to declutter. So they're, they're late in the journey books for a lot of people. Cause if you love your books, you love your books and people are like, don't touch my books. Do you know what I mean? And so, um, because people view books as a collection and not individual items. So once you break the book collection down, there are things of course that can go, but actually people are like, but I love my books. And so they don't want to break it down really. So it takes, so now I know how to do that. I understand it. But then I was just faced with like hundreds. I was like, yeah, randomly running around. So I was kind of almost, even though I knew what I needed to do, you know, cause there's no, there's no training on this stuff. There is now, um, cause I've set up a training course for it, but there was nothing there. you just had to go and make it up as you went along. And so was it an effective, efficient process? No, it was terrible. I was running around like a blue ass fly, not knowing what I was doing. Um, but we got there. The client was happy because, of course, some stuff went out. You know, yeah. of course, the process could have been done much better, um, much more efficiently, much more effectively, much more emotionally better. Um, but we got there. Um, but was it my best work? Um, no, but we all learn, don't we? We learn. And that's the only way you can develop yourself. So. Um, yeah, but I've, I've definitely got better. I would say, <laughs> I kind of, you know, but it didn't take it didn't take long to and to work out the emotions. The emotions came, even though I knew that it was emotional process. I didn't really know how emotionally led it, uh, my business would be mm. for a little while. Yeah, no, it's just what I have to ask that question because you know it's just like okay, yeah, it's when you start something, a new endeavor, yeah. The person you are when you start that endeavor until like sort of present day, especially if you are well, especially doing it for 12 years, it's like, yeah, vastly different, vastly different after say six months or a year, if you've been like sort of working consistently. Yeah. yeah? Like you like, you kind of look back and go, oh my Lord. You're like, I'm, 
I imagine might have been kind of quite tempted to come go back to the first customer. I can do more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, she's still in our she's still in our kind of networks as well. So it's all it's all good. But yeah, I think it's I think the the other thing that I didn't really work out, and this is you know you talked about Marie Kondo before, and yeah. so uh, Marie Kondo's method is kind of a bit of a one size fits all, if that makes sense. And so this is yeah. the way that you have to do it. So this is. She's fantastic. That's I'm not. I'm not being all kind of bitter about Marie Kondo. <laughs> I am no. <laughs> exactly. But she has. She definitely has. This is the order that you should do it in, and that you should mm. bring all the stuff out and gather it all together. And of course, there are going to be nuances within her methodology. But we are, and we have our method that we use as well. But we are definitely like. But this has to be tweaked based on. There's no point in me sending you into the kitchen if you're you know, an A-grade chef, because that's going to be hard, do you know what I mean? And so then we need to, to to shift that around a little bit. And so I think that's one thing that I learned over the years is that every house, every person, every stuff, every bit of stuff is completely different. And so you have to be going there with an open mind, you know, even, you know, we talked about things with, um, we talked about ADD and mental health and things like that before. Um, and the fact that how that's changed over the years you know, I was always like, you tell me, because there's no point in me saying, oh, that person's got ADD. So this is the way that I need to do it. Mm. Yes, there are things that are going to work quite well with that. But every person is going to present in a very different way. And every, every person is going to have their own personal challenges. And it's not for me then to prescribe the way that it should be done. And so I think even within, you know, niches of the work that I do, it still has to be a very bespoke that person service in terms of, and if somebody wants to have a break every 15 minutes because it's too much or if somebody wants to power through for six hours, then that's kind of up to them to, to, to lead the process, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, so you have them there in the house with you, like going, like going through the stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, okay. completely. So we're, we're just there to facilitate the process and to, to manage it and to, to worry about what we're doing and sort of logistics and strategies and things like that. But they have to decide because I can't throw somebody else's stuff away because I don't know the story to that, whether it's important, you know, all of these emotions that we've been talking about. I have no feel for that. So, yeah, you're with me every step of the way when it gets down to the organizing side of things. So once we've decluttered and got and got rid of the stuff and we're organizing it back into a system that's going to work, then that's a. It's, I mean, it's still not independent because we want the people that we're working with to to drive that like it's going to be different if you're an elderly couple in a downsized flat or if you're a busy family with six kids, it's going to be a very different system that we need to create. And you need to tell me, are your kids doing football, ballet? What's important? You know, what anything that I need to know, what time do they go to school? Are they homeschooled? You know, so they need to drive the, the system because that's going to be very different depending on the family. Yeah, no, like this is the thing. Yeah, like that side of things, like, yeah, the sort of aftermath. Like, and when I say aftermath, that sounds quite dramatic. But nah, I'm going to stick with it. Yeah, that's fine. It's a good aftermath. It's a good aftermath. Yeah, but uh, get the organization side of it. That's a, oh, that's a huge different sort of like, topic right there. But like, it must be like, one of the things what I was just thinking when you came, when you were like, yeah, they're there with you. Like, I can imagine where if you've got kids involved in this sort of declutter process now let's just say kids can be wonderful wonderful individuals but 
they can be not the most rational people when it comes to like yeah their items their belongings and yeah quite possessive yeah. all <laughs> individuals like what like when you're talking to kids what has like what has been some of the things you've helped them with to sort of like go let go of that stuff yeah I think I think with kids I'm, it, it, it's interesting if we um if we work so we tend to work with families um and then you know quite often it'll be the mums that we're working with not always but quite often and then it's all about it's interesting to see the family coming on board so we'll definitely we never deal with somebody else's stuff so if there's a husband and wife in a house we're not going to work if the husband is not there we're not going to work on his stuff unless he's there basically that's non-negotiable because you can't chuck away somebody else's stuff because otherwise that's going to that's not going to be a good end point, is it? And that's not a good outcome. Um, so that's the one. But when you've got children, it's a little bit different because there's going to come at, you know, your own kids. So some people have got a four-year-old child who will be like, don't touch my stuff through fear of God. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and then other people have got kids who are like 10 years old and their mums and dads kind of manage their stuff and they're not worried about it. So you'll know what that kind of cutoff age is for your own individual kids. Mm. Um, I think that the beauty with kids, the decluttering process, we work with kids and we can kind of see through the, what they're saying. We understand the nuances of what people are saying, whether they're kids or adults really. Um, But normally the adult will be there with them as well. But it's just about explaining that you can't just, this, and this comes much earlier really with kids. It's about teaching them life skills really from an early stage, which sometimes we, life just gets in the way and we don't get to that point, do we? But yeah. You know, when Christmas comes around, when birthdays come around or whatever that might be, when they get some gifts, like what are you going to let go of to if you want this thing on your Christmas list, for example, what item are you going to let go of in your toys and give that to another child who's going to enjoy it? And so there definitely has to be that teaching of you can't just keep coming in and in and in and not Mm -hmm. out at any point. And so I think it's a really useful skill to start to to encourage them right from the beginning. But sometimes we kind of wake up and they're 10 years old and we're like, oh, we didn't do that. Or 18, in fact. So do you know what I mean? <laughs> and the same with same principles as tidying. You know, you want to play with all this stuff and you have to tidy it up. They do it at school. No problem. Teacher says, it's tidy up time, kids. They tidy up. But then at home, they're like, they're not doing that. But it's but then it's hard as a parent, isn't it? Because you're exhausted and you can't be bothered and you're like, oh, I'm just going to tidy up for them because really I can't be bothered to have the fight. Do you know what I mean? That's the problem. So I can say in a kind of, this is the way that it should be, but actually life gets in the way, doesn't it? And we can't always do that. But that's the ideal. The ideal is to teach them early and so that they understand the value of stuff and they understand that there needs to be and moving around a kind of one in one out policy, if that makes sense to yeah. their stuff. No, I hear that. I hear that. It's like, yeah, remember, like, remember, Leslie, it's a war of attrition. You never, yeah. win. You never surrender. It's like, it's like, you, even if you're on your knees, you get up, you keep going. It's like, you won't win. <laughs> I know. It is, it is quite interesting when we've worked with kids because some of them are very kind of, they get excited when the clutter fairies are coming in, very disappointed, obviously, when I turn <laughs> up with no wings or a halo. But anyway, so they're like, oh, the clutter fairies are coming to work with you. And so we kind of, um, you know, we, we get on with, we get on with that. And um, and they can be a little bit like, well, I want to get rid of everything. It can take them to a different place because they're not 100% sure in terms of their emotions. 
Um, adults are more like with adults, we kind of tend to have to coax them a little bit more and challenge. Um, so mm. it's their decision. And so if you're working with me, ultimately it's not my decision what you get rid of. And the outcome of this process is determined by you and not me, if that makes sense. I can yeah. guide you. I can, if you're struggling with something and you've told me this is what I want my room to become at the end of this session. And I know that the amount of stuff that you're decluttering is not going to um, lead to that end point. Then I can say, why don't we go a little bit deeper? Why don't we try something different? But, you know, whatever, because different strategies are going to work with different people. But with kids, they tend to be not quite sure because it's a stranger coming in. You know what I mean? So it is different. So we have to be more careful with kids. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah good luck with that my kids are all grown up now and it's still a bell so <laughs> it is, I can. I'm trying yeah. to get rid of my 25 year old son's stuff from downstairs <laughs> a, no don't get rid of that mom no just want to leave it at your house is that okay i'm like this is not what i teach like i teach people to not have their stuff and then yeah and it's still here yes uh yeah your kids like everyone's kids they're never your like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree but <laughs> not your disciples <laughs> yeah this is what mom teaches yeah do you follow it no <laughs> it's just like no and it was interesting actually because i um I got them on our, so we do a weekly podcast as well. And so about six months ago, I got the three of them on my, so they're 20, what are they now? 25, 22 and 18. So I got all three of them on the podcast to talk about living life with a, a professional organizer as a mother. And it was quite interesting, really. You know, it was an interesting podcast to go through. It was one of, but one of our listeners' favorite podcasts, actually, actually the getting to the heart of it, because they were very honest about stuff you know about decluttering and rolling their eyes about things and how how it's take how it's prepared them then for ongoing life a little bit you know so um yeah interesting podcast did like did any of them put some of the stuff you like teach into practice I think they do actually yeah for sure I think they do but I mean I'm, I'm kind of a big believer in like in a happy home that functions in a normal way so if you walked into my house we have stuff, you know, we have loads of stuff, you know, we buy things, we exist, we enjoy our home and, but then we have a place for everything. And so when, <clears throat> when we get to the end of the day, I'm like, right, well, we need to tidy up. And so, but because it's kind of decluttered and everything's got a home, it's not difficult, but I've not got this kind of crazily minimalist kind of orderly house all the time. I've got a normal house that operates in a normal way. And that's what I want. I want my kids to be happy. You know what I mean? I want, it's a happy home. That's what it's about. I was expecting to walk into your house to have two swivel chairs just in front of a TV <laughs> with like one, one rug in the middle and yeah, just a plant on the window. No, you'd, so, <laughs> you'd be so disappointed, honestly. And particularly my husband, he, I think he, he's definitely, uh, kind of fought against the idea of having me as a wife and so he just like buys everything all day long I'm like oh like you know as if so yeah I know you would be very disappointed I'm sure you know it, it is it can be tidy you know I'm just looking at my back in my office thinking is it tidy you know yeah I've got all the stuff that you can't see like on the floor okay okay that's all cool. <laughs> that's all cool one of the things I don't really like it's like maybe it's I don't look at I'm not looking for it but one of the things in this 21st century age I would say the where, where the worst clutter lives is digital and like yeah <laughs> how like how 
have people been tackling that? They must be. <laughs> yeah, they're starting to now. And I think that for a while it wasn't a problem. So we're starting to do stuff on digital clutter as well, encourage mm. people to, you know, delete apps, delete contacts, and everything has got a home on some server and I don't even know where they are in the desert somewhere, some huge thing like impacting on the environment. And we don't realise, do we? We're like, oh, it's not causing any problems because it's just sitting on my computer and you know whether it's organization or whether it's getting rid of that digital footprint that's more important than ever so yeah that forms part of what we do as well so you know we try and encourage people to just spend you know because it's it's long isn't it you know it's like it takes a while I've got like 34,000 photos on my phone I just got I know I just got a new computer yesterday actually um and out of my 250 megabytes to whatever 160 of the whatever it is gigabytes i never know my gigabytes from my megabytes um are photos and i'm like i really need to do that i really <laughs> really need to do that but it's just finding the time isn't it and so again i suppose it's breaking it down you know like let's do 15 minutes when i'm on the on you know commuting into work or whatever from my phone and you know it's it's hard but it's becoming more and more of a problem isn't it even my dad my 79 year old dad has got 650 emails in his inbox yesterday. I'm like, Dad, I taught you nothing. <laughs> like, but he doesn't know how to get rid of them. So I was like, let me teach you. Let me teach you how to do that. <laughs> so You delete that. But wait, Mr. Johnson of like, yeah, shaving phone. <laughs> he needs me to have that. You had, That was 10 years ago. Delete the email. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They were going to a whole new realm with my dad. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, because that's, I think, one of the, like, new frontiers where I think people need to get a handle of that because, geez, I, I dare not even look at my Gmail account and go, okay, how many emails? God, no. <laughs> I, it, it sits there in the background just like, going, yeah, I'm still here. Come on. It's very satisfying, you know, if you do it, if you do it, it's very satisfying. It can be as satisfying as decluttering your house, you know. One of our uh, members, we have a Facebook group, and one of our uh, members of our Facebook group was like, I've got my inbox to zero. I'm like, I was like, but I want that. I really want that so much. Do you know what I mean? Zero. Mine's not too bad. Once it, once it starts to go over 100 in my inbox, I get start getting a bit panicky. But yeah, I probably got 30,000 in my files as well. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, as long as it's not in my inbox, we're okay. Okay, excellent. Now, with regards to your podcast, like, okay, look, um, when I saw last saw it, you're all, like, it was one five one. Most probably past that now. Now, yeah, like, how long have you been doing the podcast for? Yeah, so we're just coming up to our third anniversary of the podcast. Yeah. So that's when we decided to launch our online business. Um, podcast was the first steps because. We like to talk. We've been here a while now, haven't we? I could talk about clutter for hours and hours. I've not even scratched the surface here. <laughs> it's like, oh, what? <laughs> Get out, New York. Get out now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know you want to go soon. Um, but yeah, so we started doing it three years ago. And um, yeah, a lot of, you know, half million downloads in there. We're super happy. So people love it for a niche podcast. It is doing very, very well. So half a million pod, like downloads that is fantastic like three years so like this is the thing what have you learned from the sort of podcast game what have been some of the highs and lows you know 
Yeah, it's not easy, is it, to put out a podcast every week? So it's a lot of work. Um, so that's the lows, I suppose. There is a lot of administrative work that goes along with it. I think that um, we've learned that it's one of the best ways for us to get our, to get things across. I think it's a really easy um, forum for people to listen to on their phones and so on. I think we can completely be ourselves on there. So I think being, and it's a sound trite um, and cliche, but it is you can be authentic and be yourself do you know what I mean like and there's two of us on the podcast and so I think uh it makes it like there's two of us now I find it I would probably find it quite difficult to do it on my own my my business partner's on holiday at the moment which is why she's not here so we do a weekly Facebook live as well um in our group and I found it more difficult to do that on my own than you know bantering off the other person because we do have a really a really good laugh so I'm from um, the north of England. She's from Holland. And so we've got these kind of weird accents and stuff. And we we kind of thought that nobody would want to listen to them, you know. And everyone's like, oh, I love your accents. It's like, okay, fine. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think just being ourselves and just getting the point across, really, and just chatting and being nice generally. That's, I think that's important, being a laugh. So yeah. what about you? What do you what, – what do you uh, – what have you learned in your time with your 180 something, did you say? 170 something? 187 with yourself. Nice, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Like basically, uh, when I first started my my podcasting career, mm, uh, then, yeah, I was recording podcasts by myself, like giving my silky tones, going, yes, blah, 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 giving my sort of like, like, not so much philosophy but like yeah my sort of day-to-day kind of journal thing um after five episodes I was like no I, I can't be doing this by myself I will I'm just like getting a little bit bored of my own voice and I'm not really sort of learning and growing um like for me starting the podcast was truly about yeah can I still like learn and grow and keep pushing forward because like look something no one tells us when we're younger is like look <laughs> As time goes by, things will change. Like when you go out in your like in your teens and your early twenties, it's like you get this. We are legion. Oh, it's like yeah, it's like and away you go. When you hit your thirties, it's like we are legion. It's like oh, when you hit your, <laughs> yeah. like when you hit your like forties, it's like yeah, we are legion. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, a small happy band going out meeting up occasionally and like yeah might have the gin and off you go and as each decade goes on from there it gets smaller and smaller and then like yeah it's it's just the nature of like it's and it's like yeah you got this yeah we're just this crack team of three or four done but as that as each decade goes by you have less and less opportunity to meet new people, learn from new people, have fresh discussions. So like with myself, it was like, okay, right. I need to talk to new people, like along different, like along different topics, along different lines, just so I can like, go right. I've learned something new and I've spoken to a new person. And with that, I, now I'm like, like I've spoken to, over 170 people over the like the webs talking in a sort of two-year period and like so it's like yeah I'm still learning I'm still growing and like yeah uh, rather than sort of getting 
cemented in one sort of mind state and that's the way the world is because I don't have other people's voices coming in and being able to sort of learn from them and still grow. And now like, yeah, expanding, learning, uh, growing. And like, I'm not too sure where this podcast will take me uh, in the future, but it's a case of, I am not afraid to like, yeah, go out and talk to uh, different people. Look, um, I was talking to a lady earlier today about how she started her business uh, for like, yeah, ladies, like helping them get organized and like sort of find their path to like whatever that business might be or like goal they want to achieve uh, like through their lives. But now I'm talking to yourself like about, yeah, decluttering. And look, with regards to that, yeah decluttering for me i look at and go yeah how can you sort of declutter some things because i look at i look at my sort of like our living area and go okay some things need to go like my lady's like yeah she's like going through this process of like yes i need to minimize some things in my life and yeah like coming across you guys was a happy sort of coincidence like almost serendipitous uh, having this moment right now so yeah Excited. No, you, but you're so right that it's all about, you know, I think I was talking about before when you were saying, what have you learned in your business? And, you know, I've learned about different races and religions. I've learned to be more sympathetic, more empathetic to understand other people. And so, and there are people coming into our communities every day who share what's going on. And that's what makes life interesting. You know, putting stuff into a bin bag and taking it to the charity shop, whilst I love the outcome, is not that interesting. What's interesting is the people that I come across when I'm doing this, whether it's online and or, or face-to-face. And I think the nice thing about the online business is that we've got people all over the world. And mm-hmm. so it's interesting from that perspective. So I just spend most of my time going, I want to go there. Somebody was like, <laughs> Hawaii. I'm like, I want to go to Hawaii. You're like, why am I stuck in Manchester? So I think, but I think it is, you know, and I started my business, this online business then, you know, my late forties and I do, in some ways I do. And I'm like, oh, I wish that I'd done this. Cause it's, you know, it's not an easy thing to do, to be fair, to learn all the new tech and, mm. you know, and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I wish I'd done it 10 years ago, but 10 years ago, I wasn't the person that I am now. You know, I wasn't an expert in my field. I wasn't. And so everything, as you say, and how fabulous is it that in my fifties, I'm still learning and growing and embracing technology and podcasting. And do you know what I mean? And that's, what's interesting. Cause I don't want to, stop and so you're so right it's all about the people about meeting interesting people about continuing to drive yourself to be better to you know to learn you know I've always got stories to tell you know what I mean because I'm meeting so many fantastic people I mean the hard thing is that everything that we do is confidential (laughs) because a lot of us so it's quite difficult because there's so many things that I'd like to share with you but um you know people's stories are people's stories you know but that is, you, you're so right. So yeah, you're right about the, the you know, the podcast doesn't really give me that much opportunity to learn. We do have um, members. We have uh, once a month, we have a member come on and tell their story. Um, we have guests on as well, other professional organizers who mm. have got specialisms and things like that. But I think it's in our communities, in our membership, that's where we really learn the nitty gritty of what what's making people tick. And that's where I sort of, and Ingrid, who's my business partner, that's where we do our learning. Yeah. So how big is your community now? So we've got about, so, you know, talk about the podcast and we've got about eight and a half thousand in our Facebook group. So we have a Facebook group. Um, again, people all over the world, that's a free group. Um, we have over 300 members in our membership. So that's a paid membership. 
um, where people come to learn how to declutter independently. So they follow our roadmap. We have um, live Q and A's every two weeks where they, so we, we obviously we can teach people how to do things and we go into a lot of detail, but then they're like, but what about this in my, my, my situation's different. I live in a caravan or I live in a, you know, people's situations are completely different and people's emotions are different. So if people want to, you know, sort of drill down the nitty gritty of their house, that's where the Q and A's come in and we have a forum for discussion within our membership. So yeah, but we're growing all the time. So we do free challenges as well. Um, to encourage people to come into our membership or to encourage people to do it on their own. Our communities are lovely, lovely, safe, nice communities. And that's the nicest thing. It's all nice people. Like it's a privilege to be in it, you know, and certainly to be at the head of it. Yeah, no, the, the vast majority of people are nice. It's just, yes. uh, yeah, um, the world just puts a focus on the, how can I put it, uh, the negative, bad, like assholes of the world. So yeah, you get what I mean. But like, yeah, with regards to growing a community that size and like, yeah, taking it forward from there. It's like, is it con- still continuing to grow? Um, like, is like, what are, are they trying to push it in a certain direction? Or is it like, yeah, just like, yeah, we're here. No, it's growing all the time. Um, as we, you know, our podcast numbers grow. It's just getting word out there, isn't it? And, you know, trying, I think our podcast is where people mostly come to and love that you know what I mean we have people who binge it. I'm sure it's the same for you we have people who binge the podcast from start to finish over like two weeks and stuff I'm like really like, why would you want to listen to me English? and people who listen to them again so when people are doing decluttering projects themselves mm. they'll put the podcast on so that there's someone talking about herbs and spices for example while they're actually um you know we do we go down to the to granular level on um decluttering so yeah uh, like I like that. I'm just like thinking herbs and spices. That's that's insane. But then, <laughs> yeah. like I I kind of remember like yeah that we've got a drawer of herbs and spices which yeah I'm like okay I don't really venture through uh, more than sort of like yeah chili flakes and like yeah pepper and salt. But that that's just me. <laughs> give me <laughs> give me something hot and spicy. I'm there happy. <laughs> ah, so. With this and like your growing community, like where, like where do you think it's gonna go in the next say few years? Like after, like after the pandemic in twenty fifty five. Hey, no, <laughs> no. Well, we just we just hope it continues to grow, really, because we just see how people struggle so much <laughs> with clutter, and we're like, it doesn't need to be that way. There's a solution. Do you know what I mean? And and we know that that's a for. Look, listen, there's loads of all our free stuff, our free challenges, our podcast, our Facebook group is all free. There's tons of stuff that set people hit the ground running with that, no problem. Mm. If you really want to do this and you're committed to it, sometimes paying for something helps because it makes you more focused and more committed. This is not expensive, okay? We're talking like $300 a year, you know? So this is not an expensive membership. So, but $300, you know, dollars a year is a lot of money for a lot of people. So we break it down monthly and so on. So I'm not not saying it's an insignificant amount, Mm. but the money that people will save is colossal. It's much more than $300 a year. Do you know what I mean? So we, we want people to come into our communities so that we can help them to change their lives and so they can start, put a stake in the ground and go, I'm not letting this stuff dictate my life anymore. I want to change it. It's going to take a little bit of time. We're not like you can change it in a month. We're like, stick with us for a year if you can. And we're going to completely change your whole mindset related to stuff. We're not just going to declutter your house. 
we're going to change your whole mindset. And so you won't want it anymore. And every time you go to a shop and something's winking at you, trying to make you buy it, you think, do I really need that? Is that really going to enhance my life going forward? Mm. Or do I like the way things are? And so the reason why we have the communities is A, because we really like talking about decluttering, B, because we really like to, to see that them light bulbs going on with people and for, you know, it just changes our lives. You know, that's why we want to do it. So yes, we get paid for it. Yes, we are running a business and it's a business enterprise. Of course it is, but mostly it's a vocational job to try and help people. So, but we do see it. We do see it continuing to grow. So our membership's only been running for about, uh, I'm going to say two years, <laughs> two years, I think. <laughs> like, something like that. I can't really remember. Two years. Um, but yeah, but now we've got, we've got everything in there, like a full set of courses, every single room in the house. And so we've got a full membership of material now. So it's, um, yeah, I hope it continues to grow because we love doing it. And while people start love listening, then we'll still be there. Excellent. Would you expand further on from like the podcast, like more like, well, more on uh, individual YouTube channel dedicated to it? Because I know you've put your podcast uh, out on YouTube. Will you be doing that? Yeah, we just started. Yeah, we just started to record the like we're doing, like you're doing now. We just, when we got to episode 150, we were like, right, we need to video the podcast as well. So we did have the podcast on YouTube, but it was only audio. Mm. So with episode 150, we're like, okay, we need to go on, <laughs> we need to go on YouTube, I suppose. Um, and so we did that. Yeah, we, we, but we do so much free stuff in Facebook and that's where our community are. Oh. Our community are mostly in Facebook groups. And so, you know, we have Instagram, we have Twitter and um, we have YouTube, but mostly the type of people within our community are, are, are Facebook people. So that's where most of our stuff goes on. Yeah. I have to ask this question because look, there are people out there looking to most probably grow their own community. Like, how has it been sort of growing that community on Facebook? Because, like, a lot of people will say, Facebook, oh, it's pay and play, uh, if you get what I mean. What has been some of your experiences with it? Um, yeah, in the beginning, it was hard. Um, we did, we have run ads as well uh, at some point, which has increased our numbers, obviously coming into our Facebook group. And then once it gets to a certain level, and I think the, the sort of tipping point for us was about, three or four thousand people and then it starts to become orga- a little bit more organic so you start to appear on suggested groups on Facebook and people start to see a little bit more of you so I think you have to kind of do I think I think it's 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 a hard it's a hard um question really because within our within our um, membership we have a private forum that's not on Facebook Mm. Um, because a lot of people don't like Facebook as well and (laughs) particularly when they're feeling quite vulnerable and they don't want to share things on Facebook which seems like a much more public forum and as our group gets bigger the downside is that people feel less safe because there's more people um, and there could be more random people in there that does that make sense and so yeah you know, whilst we, we, we think Facebook group is, is, is one of the best ways to do that, we're very aware that Facebook can pull the plug from under us at any point. And so we have to have our own email list of people that we email three times a week. We have to have our podcast that we do once a week and so on to keep our community going just in case anything goes wrong with Facebook. But it definitely, we have put money into Facebook for sure and continue to do so because that works for us. Um, but we're well aware that it can change at any time and the 
Is that, is that the answer that you wanted? I don't know. Because like, <laughs> the thing, no, you bring up some like good points because yeah, like one of the things I kind of look at with all sort of social media platforms is like, yeah, you're building on sort of rented ground, if you yeah. don't know me. And like put like pulling the plug, it can be a it is a no, it can't, it's not can be, it is a realistic prospect yeah. what can happen. And if you spend a lot of time building something and like going, yeah, building a community and it's gone like that, uh like a like a fan of Snap and no one like there's nothing there anymore. Uh, trying to get regalvanized that community is sometimes next to impossible if you don't yeah. have some a standalone yourself. And like you saying, you've got a forum where yeah, people can come to outside of Facebook. Yeah, I would say to anyone who's looking to start a business, start something which you own. Have a website, have a forum outside of the social yeah. media, and try to divert traffic that way but that's that that's just me but when you mentioned the email list i think that's a very important thing to also have as well and it's something which i will be doing before the end of this year myself personally so it's like help yeah things. yeah and yeah and, and we've i've started doing quite a lot of work actually on email that kind of grew the list and didn't really do anything with it for a while so it's something that i'm spending a lot of time on at the moment is looking at that email list and trying to build it and trying to get engagement and you know that's hard in itself so you know you might have those numbers but getting those people engaged so we might have a Facebook group of eight thousand. we've got very high engagement actually in our group okay that's um, great but we do a lot of work you know <laughs> all yeah. these things come with work don't that's the thing and it's what do you do you know as, as a content creator which is what we are and what you are it's what I do I write an email? Do I write a Facebook post? Do I do this? Do I create a podcast? Like, what am I doing? And there's so many things that you have to create and you've just got to sort of prioritize. And I think, you know, in business, uh, the business side of what we do, you know, it's been a massive learning curve. And so, you know, and that's part of why I'm like, I'm quite happy that Ingrid and I have together then. I don't think I could have done it on my own. I think I think I would have pulled the plug a long time ago because it's hard, you know, it's hard to keep on working and working and working, yeah. um, you know, for very little profit to be fair at the moment. And, you know, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy, but it's, it's the people that keep us going and, you know, my drive them for wanting to be better, wanting to create something good. You know, I think I've been in business long enough to know that I'm not going to do something half-assed. It's got to be decent, you know what I mean? And yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's that's what I've learned. So continue to learn, but I do like the business side of things as well. That you know that interests me. Um, you know, in terms of it's just nice to learn, and everything's changing so fast. So you might learn something last week, and then it's <laughs> irrelevant this week. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> but yeah. So you know, we we sit on our emails every week. We send out about the podcast to just to remind people. You know, we like three or four posts a week reminding people. We do, inf- um, you know. Um, not infographics, what do you call them? Um, audiograms. Okay, yeah. Yeah, all those things take time only to create and even deciding to put it onto YouTube takes time because you can't do it the same way you did it before and it's, you know, but you have to do what you have to do and um, to get word out there because we want people to listen, you know, so. No, I hear you. I hear you. And like, this is the thing. Um, yeah, when you say it's not easy, yeah, I agree. It's not easy, but this is the thing. It's worth it. And like, yeah. this is the whole thing. Um when it when it ceased to feel or be worth it that's when you got to like oh yeah you know what it's time to reevaluate but as long yeah. as for that sort of like yeah we're bringing value we're like 
we're like it's bringing value to like the people of like of our community and it's bringing value to us we are doing the right thing like and yeah continue marching forward i say continue marching forward. yeah <laughs> i just need i just need ingrid to come back off a holiday it's been away for like three weeks i'm like can you come back now please can you come? i don't want to hold the fort anymore <laughs> yeah you see no you see mainland europe <laughs> it, it's august like that the whole month to them is just it's written off you can't you can't oh no she out. lives here yeah she lives here yeah, but she lives in london but she's she's gone on holiday yeah it doesn't matter. Like it's like, it's like look, it's she's like, in that mindset, right? It's okay, like okay. yeah, August. I was in <laughs> September. It's like well, it's like, yeah. no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Ah, uh, last thing. Last thing before we go. Now, okay, I have to reveal to you, I'm a being of supreme cosmic power. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and I can grant you one wish. And wait before you say anything. I'm nervous you- now. Yeah. You can't wish for more wishes. Okay. You can't wish for world peace. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you can't, you can't wish for infinite wishes because like I look at you and I see you, I see you in the eyes. And yeah, you can't write down a number of things on a sheet of paper and go, (laughs) I wish everything on this piece of paper comes like comes true. And yeah, the final thing, you can't wish for COVID to be gone because the amount of power I had to draw just to get a vaccine out there and not everyone's <laughs> taking it. It's like, no, I'm not going to go through that again. What would your one wish be? My, it is COVID related, but I know we can't stamp out COVID, but it's just that I feel in my world, the people that have been impacted by COVID the most are my children and I just want, and they're not children, I've told you how old they are. I just want them to go into the next stage of their life, whether it's my son going to university, my daughter going off traveling, my son going into the next phase of his life at 25 and just have the life of a young person that I had. Cause I just don't think you ever get that time back. And I just kind of, you know, I wish that for them. Ah. Wow, that's a beautiful wish. I is like, it? Is it? I know, it's, I know it's very kind of focused on my own family, and I should have something much more wide-reaching. But it's been it's been an interesting year. My husband was one of the tough COVID um, people, so he was on a ventilator in a coma for um, weeks, and oh. so we we were at the tough end of COVID here. So I suppose that makes me more kind of interested in my children's well-being because of everything they've gone through this year so sorry that it's so like but you should need to give me time to think about these things and I could have thought about something really uh, good no, like I, something I, like oh yeah like really good <laughs> like yeah like yeah look this is the reason why I keep like this is the reason why I can't have world peace it's like, it's like one wish world peace oh, <laughs> universal understanding no <laughs> like, yeah. no but yes and yeah, no, I can't understand that. And look, uh, all I've got to simply say, yeah, you went to Liverpool University. So I, yeah, all I I've did. got to simply say is, yes, I had friends who went to Liverpool University, John Moores. And yes, I, I've even made a, one or two friends in Liverpool Hope. So yeah, um, I've been... It's yeah. a great city. It's a great city. So much fun. And it's very close to us as well. So we go regularly back there, so outstanding outstanding (laughs) love it leslie ah yes can you tell the lovely people how they can find you and ingrid out there in the big wide world webs 
Yes, of course. You, so you can listen to our podcast, which is the Declutter Hub podcast. Nice and simple. Um, you can go to our Facebook group, which is called the Declutter Hub community. Also nice and simple. Um, and you can find out about our membership at members.declutterhub.com. Huh. I think that's about it for now. Then we've got all Instagram and stuff like that. But it's all at Declutter Hub. If you kind of search Declutter Hub, you're going to find us, basically. Huh. Excellent, excellent. I will put all the information into the notes in the description. So yes, find Leslie, find Ingrid, go over there and say hello. Uh, Miwa says hello. Just yeah, if you want to put down. Miwa says hello, and yeah, we'll see what happens from there. Uh, Leslie, thank you for coming on today. You have been. Oh, it's been a pleasure. How nice to just sit for an hour, an hour and a half chatting about decluttering. That's amazing. Like, you know, we got, I get asked to go on the radio a lot, and literally get a ninety-second soundbite, and it's very hard to say what I've said today. Ninety seconds, ninety minutes is much better. Yeah, no, like this is a thing. I, I, if I was on radio, I would have issues with that. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> no, like, yeah, I'm having a guest for a long time. And here, here we go. But yeah, this is a better medium. I like this medium. <laughs> I, know, I do as well. So thank you so much for inviting me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, the honor has been all mine. It's all mine. Yes. And I'd like to say thank you to you, my friends, my life warriors, for sticking with us uh, up until this point in the show. Please stay safe, stay well, be awesome, be excellent, be fantastic. Be all the positive bees you can be in this world and then some, guys. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Yes. Peace. And we are...